All right, well, today we're going to start a new series called One Another. And I uh, was going to go into a direction on love songs, if you remember that, and, um, but we kind of got past uh, the Valentine's Day kind of thing, and so changed it up and uh, felt like we're going to go into this series on one another, looking at the statements in Scripture that have to do with one another. And today I titled the message, Serve One Another, okay? So... Uh, Galatians 5.13, just a few verses today that we're really going to unpack. I'm going to add in some other scripture verses, but just a few verses that we're really going to unpack. And if you follow along on your sermon notes, you see that I've taken just bits and pieces of uh, this particular passage, Galatians 5.13 through 14, I think it is, 15. You'll see how I've just broken it down a little bit, and we're going to unpack each piece of this. And we're going to begin here, Galatians 5.13 says, you, my brothers and sisters, Paul writes to these churches in Galatia. Okay, we're going to pause there because I want you to see this. This is really important that you understand this. And I'm going to, I want to teach this and I hope that, I hope that it does something in you. I really do. I hope it changes the way you live and operate your life. It says, you, my brothers and sisters, that's who he's writing to. Now, if you were to read Galatians 5.1 or Galatians 1.1, I'm sorry, he's going to say to the churches in Galatia. That's how he starts the letter. And now he's saying to you, my brothers and sisters, my brothers and sisters. Okay. So I want to put a map up of Galatia on the screen. Uh, all of the names and the cities and the communities are not going to be important for this conversation, this teaching. But what I want you to see, these dark spots Um, you're going to see Antioch, you're going to see Tarsus, you're going to see Ephesus, you're going to see a variety of places that Paul would travel, and you're going to see this region in Galatia. If you go read, write this down somewhere on the side of your notes or on the back of your notes, write down Acts 13 and Acts 14. Go read Acts 13, Acts 14. Those two chapters in Scripture unpack Paul's missionary journeys. He does three journeys, and, and you'll see that some of them he goes to the northern side of Galatia, some to the southern side of Galatia. So Paul's a church planner. Paul goes around this community, this city of Galatia. And what I want you to understand is this particular letter is not written to one church. Like the churches in Thessalonica, it's not just to the church of Thessalonians and the church of Thessalonica. It's this is written to a region of churches. And that's important to understand when we extract what Paul is going to get at. The reason why I say that is Paul intending his words to have a wide circulation you got to remember, he's not passing out a lot of books. He passes out a letter, and his intention is that you're going to share this letter with all the surrounding regions around you. This letter is going to travel to all the other churches in the region. That's why he addresses the churches in Galatia, brothers and sisters. And the whole point of saying that, write this down. I want you to keep this in mind as we read through Galatians 5, okay? Keep this in mind. Galatians 5, 13 through 15 is applicable for these churches in Galatia and all future churches. Sometimes when you read scripture, you could say, well, that was given to an appointed time. When we're, when we're talking about the walls of Jericho coming down, march around the building, that's an appointed time for a appointed person, a calling to go do something. The reason why I know that is how many of you have ever circled a building in faith and the walls did not come down? Yeah, me, right here. I remember when I first started you know, driving out here in the community, I took my car and I was too lazy to walk it, so I drove around the building, you know, and uh, maybe that's why we didn't get it, but... Um, but you do things, you know, but the reality is, is, is a lot of these promises were meant for some people directly in that particular moment, but some are more collective, and we can take on those promises for ourselves. And, uh, and I want you to see that this particular study is not written for just this church. It is written for all future churches, brothers and sisters in Christ. We're going to see it very clearly. 
All right, continues on. You, my brothers and sisters, then he says, we're called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Then he makes this interesting statement, rather serve one another, okay? We just got of a whole series as a church on freedom, right, church? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Did we just get out of a whole series on freedom? Thank you. Um, so we talked about freedom. So I want you to follow what the Lord is doing right here. He tells me, let's go through a journey on freedom. I'm not going to tell you how long it's going to take. He takes us through the journey of the Israelites and the pursuit of the promised land, ultimately to land on Exodus 40. Don't move until I tell you to move. Do you see God in all of this? And then he says, now I want you to tell the church and talk to the church about how to use their freedom. You think I just line this stuff up that perfectly? No. This is the Lord. So he has a word for us. I believe that. This is not just me. I want, to, I want you to understand that. God is the one orchestrating this thing. I believe that. Amen? You don't want me preaching to you my wisdom. You're going to end up leaving more dumb than you came in. Does that make sense? I'm going to mess you up. So, <laughs> I hope that, I don't know if that came out right. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm like, no, I probably shouldn't have said that. All right. It came out wrong. You under, thank you for grace. Use your freedom, serve one another. So he connects freedom to a willingness to serve. So we've been singing about freedom. We want freedom, okay, he says he connects it to serving. This is pretty interesting, right? Okay, serve one another. Write this in your notes. Key truth, those who are not free serve themselves. Those who are free serve one another. Did Paul say that? Is that fair? Okay, he did say that, and it is fair, in case you don't know. Lord, can we pray again? Jesus, please help these people today. Help me. Does that make sense? Okay. Those who are not free serve themselves. Those who are free serve one another. He says you were called to be free, which means you weren't free at some point, but now brothers and sisters in the churches of Galatia region, you are free so now use the freedom to serve one another. The day you got saved, by the way, you took on a new nature. That's what salvation is. If you're not saved, you're in the sinful nature. But when you give your life to Christ, you take on a new nature. The way you think is different. That's why we repent when we give our life to Christ because we change the way we think. We have a new nature. Your life is no longer about you. It's a new nature. I'll show it to you. Philippians 2, Paul writes this letter to a church in Philippi. He says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, so he's talking to believers, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion goes on to say in verse two, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. And then verse three, 
He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. So what's he contrasting? You got selfish ambition and then putting others above you, putting others first. You were selfish in your old nature, but now you got a new nature, and your new nature says you put others in front of you. Not looking to your own interest, but each one of you looking to the interest of others. You're more about other people than yourself. Verse five, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And here was the mindset of Christ, who being in his very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing to take the very nature of a servant. So he's got a nature of a servant. Before Christ lives in you, you did not have a servant nature. But now that Christ is in you, Paul is saying, you have a nature of a servant. All right, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Write this in. Our sinful nature is one of selfishness. Our Christ's nature is one of selflessness. Is that not what Paul is teaching? Yes, yes. It's clear, this is not a hard message. It's a hard message to receive, maybe to enact or apply, but it's not one to understand. It's really easy. In fact, it's elementary, if you would. Do children naturally lean towards selfishness? Well, I love the couple of parents over here who are honest. Everybody else is like, I don't know. Do children naturally lean to selfishness? Okay, all right. Now we're better with that. All right, we get it. It's true. They naturally lean to selfishness. Do you naturally lean to selfishness? All right, you're all selfish. Well, in our, in our sinful nature, we are. So Paul is saying, but that's not the nature you have when Christ's nature comes live inside of you, you now take on the nature of a servant. This is Paul's teaching to this church in Philippi. Well, what's servanthood? Let me put it up for you. A definition I heard, Tony Evans gave this definition I thought was really good. The willingness to humble oneself and act for the benefit of someone else. But this is the important part, for the benefit of Christ. I want you to just think about that. The willingness to humble yourself which clearly Paul is going to write about in Galatians 5.13 in just a minute. We'll see the word humility in a minute. But servanthood, the willingness to humble oneself and act for the benefit of someone else, putting others first, for the benefit of Christ so that they can come to know Christ. They can grow in their knowledge of Christ. Notice the attention is not on me. It's the attention's on them. I want you to grow in your knowledge of God. Paul will write to the church in Ephesus. Grow in your knowledge of God. I want you to gain more understanding of God. I want you to draw closer to God for the benefit of the, someone else's relationship with Christ. I went to Google. I challenge you right now to get out your phone and go to Google. 
and I looked up the definition to serve. I, I clicked defined serve, define serve. And Google always gives me the right answer. So I said define serve, okay? Now I don't have it on the screen, but I'll read it to you what it says. Define serve, you just type it into Google, you'll get it. It says perform duties or services for another person or an organization. And then here is the example in the sentence it gave me. Ready? Malcolm has served the church very faithfully. I was like, well, amen. That was on Google. That's the example to the definition. You know how they put the sentences to help put the word in context? They used a church. I love that. I just thought whoever wrote that sentence, the Lord used right there and said, Put this in, amen? I don't know, I have no backing of that, but just a thought. Key truth, write this down. The call to every true Christian, now I said true intentionally, every true Christian is to serve. Every single Christ follower is called to serve. Do we agree? If you agree, say amen. Amen. Okay. I'm not gonna ask you if you don't. Email me. All right. The call to every true Christian is to serve. There is no negotiation to that. It is so clear. Okay, still don't believe me. All right, Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man, talking to the humanity side to Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. You say, well, where does it tell me to serve? It tells me what Jesus did, but where does it tell me to serve? Okay, the word that Jesus used for his followers was what? Christian, no. What did he call his, his followers? Disciples. And s- disciples in Hebrew is Talmid, T-A-L-M-I-D, Talmid or Talmidim. His disciples, his followers, his pupils, his students. And the whole point of a disciple was to be like the rabbi. They didn't want to just know what the rabbi knew. They wanted to become what the rabbi was. They want to be like their rabbi. And so they would watch him like game film so they could take on his, you know, strengths and learn how he does his moves and learn how he talks and all of those things. So if you're a disciple of Christ and he's your rabbi and he says, I've come to serve people, then his disciples do the same. Okay, the call of every true Christian is to serve. Write this in your notes. Christ's followers are to carry the heart of a servant wherever they go. Because Christ is in us. So we serve wherever we what? Go, we serve. Amen. Galatians 5.13, Paul continues, and he says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh because the flesh is selfish. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. He concludes verse 13. Write this in. Christians, Christ followers, disciples, serve because of love, not law. That's really important. You see, when you start serving because, watch this, you start serving because it's law, you'll stop serving. 
But as a, if a servant is who you are, you can never stop serving. Because it's out of love. It's not out of law. Let me say it to you this way, because this happens in church. Um, in churches, a lot of times, I'm not speaking for every church, but in church is in general, I've seen this a number of times. They will have to show video of stories about the impact of what serving can do. And that's good, and I'm a fan of that, and I'm for that. Um, churches have to, uh, you know, kind of sometimes orchestrate things in a certain way, not to manipulate, but maybe to inspire would be a way of saying it. And so people get emotional about whatever it is. They respond to it in emotion. And then they serve for a little while. But when it gets tough, they give up. I just want you to know that a true servant of Christ serves because of love, not law. It's in them. They can't, it's like this is a part of my new nature. So I serve wherever I go. Including the body of Christ. Okay. I can feel a lot of tension. So we demonstrate, this is important church, who is Paul writing to? The churches, all future churches, this letter is for you and for me. You are not exempt. Now, if you are not a Christ follower, exempt. Do not have to pay your taxes, okay? You are tax exempt, all right? We encourage you to become a Christ follower. I would say the best decision you ever make in your entire life. He loves you. He died for you. But if you are a Christ follower, you have no exemption to this. The way you demonstrate God's love is by how you serve one another. You demonstrate God's love by the way you serve one another. So where should you serve? This is my favorite one. Because this is where we start to debate and negotiate with one another. Well, I serve here and I serve there, but I don't have to serve there because I serve over there. So where should you serve? Let's answer the question. But let's not talk about opinion. Let's just go to God's word. Amen? Amen. Okay. Ephesians chapter 5. You know what it says? It's the story where Paul writes to the church in Ephesus about how you should care for your household. And Paul says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For Christ loved the church and gave his whole life up for her. So you should submit to one another. You know what Paul tells the Christian household? Serve one another. Ephesians chapter 5. The first place you should serve is your home. I know, Dad. I know. Moms, I thought I was supposed to be served in this house. You know? We are to be servants in our home. We model servanthood to our children. Amen? How many of you want your children to be a good servant in your house? I don't want my glasses because I didn't see everybody's hand go up. Okay. <laughs> don't get mad then when your kid don't do anything that you ask them to do, you know. 
course you want your child to be a good servant. Help out, serve, serve one another, care for one another, right? No debate about it. You should serve in your house. Two, your workplace. Carry on the nature of a servant in your work environment. And if you work at home, if you're a stay-at-home mom, still applies to you. Carry the nature of a servant wherever you go. Colossians 3.23 says, do everything as if you're doing it for reverence for the Lord. Don't work for men, work for the Lord. You do it for him with him in mind so I can walk into my workplace as a servant with that heart, a willingness to serve and put someone else in front of me. Think about how your work environment would look different if it was full of a bunch of servants. I just heard a lot of, (laughs) that means you just thought of a lot of names is what just happened. And you're like, I'm going to share this YouTube tomorrow with them. I'm going to put it on their desk. Hey, just wanted you to check this out. You might want to watch that. Third, now I put your church, even though I don't really like that too much, because in our English language, we use the word church. Body of Christ, we'd be more accurate, but you get the point. The church, I would say your church. The body of believers that you gather with. Let me show it to you, 1 Corinthians 12. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Paul is speaking to the body of Christ. The eye cannot say to the hand, and he uses a human body to explain. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. That's his point. Equal concern for one another. Each one of you serving one another. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ. And I love this line. This rules out any possible opt-out, I don't have to serve the body to which I belong. Because each one of you is a part of it. What is the it? Say it. The body of Christ, the church. Okay? So each one of you is a part of it. And when you don't contribute your part, what happens to all the other parts? They suffer. Oh, man. (laughs) Write this down. When servants of God choose not to serve one another, all servants suffer. When servants of God choose not to serve one another, all servants suffer. You understand? It's not just the ones that are serving, those who are choosing not to serve, are suffering. All servants suffer. Now, who are servants? Those who have Christ's nature inside of them, right? The servant nature. Those who follow Christ. So the body of Christ suffers. The whole thing suffers. When you have one follower of Christ belonging to a body, part of that body who doesn't serve, the whole thing suffers. 
everybody loses. It's powerful. All right. I feel like I could preach for another hour on this. I got to hurry up. Okay. You may show you how practical that is. Should I get real practical? Donnie, what do you think, man? Get practical. I'm just going to call some names. Is that okay, Donnie? Donnie said yes. I'm going to do it. Okay. Get mad at Donnie if, uh, if you don't like what I'm about to tell you. Donnie told me to. No. Can one of you go get relieve Heather uh, Ferrara from the back? Relieve her and then tell her to come in here. I'll show it to you in a minute, okay? Okay, while he's getting Heather. Um, you ever heard of the story in John? John writes about Jesus washing feet. How many of you ever heard that story? Raise your hand. How many of you are confused when I ask you questions? You don't know if it's rhetorical or if you're supposed to answer. <laughs> so I thought. It's like, why don't they? Oh, you think I'm, it's rhetorical. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll try to tell you when it's rhetorical. Hey, this is rhetorical. This is not rhetorical. Okay, that's funny. <laughs> okay, um, so it's just before Passover meal. It says in, and you don't have to go there, John 13, we don't have it on the screen. It was just before Passover festival. Jesus, Jesus knew the hour had come in for him to leave the world to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. You just bring Heather up whenever she comes in. All right, so Jesus is around this table and Here's what happens. It says, uh, Jesus is sitting there, and he says uh, in verse three, Jesus knew that the Father had put things under his power and that he had come from God, was returning to God, so he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing. He wraps his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel, and he wraps around him, and he starts to wash his disciples' feet. His disciples are like, you can't do this. It's not right. Heather, come up here. You know, you can't wash people's feet. It's not right. And then Peter, come on up, Heather. I know. And Donnie told me to do it. So... Uh, come on up. So, so, so he's like washing the disciples' feet. Now look what the text says in John 13, 14 through 17. Come over here, Heather. Stand over here. Just stand right over here. And then you can put this up, John 13 through 14, okay? It says, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. Everybody say, wash one another's feet. Okay. Now you're really nervous, aren't you? <laughs> okay. It says, I have, set, I have set you an example. Everybody say example. example. Now watch what he says. This is Jesus. Don't get mad at me. Jesus is telling you. Watch what Jesus says. He says, you should do as I have done for you. Did Jesus serve you to the point of death on a cross? Okay. You should do what he does. And he has set the example, and the example he left you is washing a disciple's feet. Because in their culture, of course, they had sandals. A lot of times because of uh, the temperature and the weather and, and how they lived and functioned in this society, many times they didn't even walk around with sandals. They'd walk at bare feet or sandals, so their feet were constantly dirty. So before they walked into the house, they would have to put their feet into some water to wash off the feet in order to keep the house clean. And if they had a lot of guests over, they would put a servant outside of the house who would then wash the feet before they entered the house. Say, wash the feet before you enter the house. All right. So this was the whole cultural thing, and Jesus is saying, and I'm giving an example to you. Let me do this for you now. Then he goes on to say, very, very true, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master. In other words, you will never be so high upon yourself that you don't, but you put your, I'm the master here. 
That's why this church will never have a senior pastor parking space. You understand my point? Okay. So instead of talking about me, I just want to talk about some people in our church. Okay. Because this is a culture that Christ has set an example. Now that you know these things, now I love this. And some of you are like, well, then in that case, I'll serve. Ready? You'll be blessed if you do it. If you wash other people's feet. You get blessed. How many of you want to be blessed? Then start washing some feet. Oh, then I don't know. Okay. You, you want to get blessed, but you don't want to have to do what it costs you to get blessed. Because you might have to give up sitting in a seat on a Sunday and serving a child. You know who gets blessed? Her. And so many other volunteers who serve. Okay. All right, write this in, then I'll wrap it up. Our fellowship with Jesus is revealed by our foot washing of others. No, Heather, you don't have to wash my feet. And I am not going to wash your feet, just in case you weren't ready. And you're like, oh, no. Okay. All right, I told you a minute ago about this. When one part suffers, every part suffers with it. Okay. So, practical. In our culture, we don't have to wash feet because we have shoes for most of us in, in our current context and culture. So how do, we, how do we do this? Okay. All right. So Heather and I were talking, and she leads our birth or two-year-old classroom. Now, I told you when one part of the family doesn't serve, everybody suffers. Okay? So I said, Heather, how many people do you need in your classroom on a given Sunday to help watch our birth or two-year-olds? How many do you need? And I think it's two adults and, and one teenager helper, right? So three is a good, a decent number. How many birth or two-year-olds do you have today? Just curious. Do you know how many were there? Eight? Okay, the word maybe scares me, but that's okay, I trust you. Um, <laughs> um, okay, so, so you said something to me, and, and because of how many current people that are serving on your team in that one classroom, how many Sundays are you going to be serving or plan to serve or something this month? You would tell me. This Sunday and then all of next month serving. And baby. So all of next month. So, all of next month. So March. Yes. Okay. March 5, 12, 19, and 26. Those are the Sundays. Yeah. And then you're serving today. Yes. So that's five Sundays in a row. Yeah. She washes your feet every freaking Sunday. Can I say freaking? I'm a little holy discontent. Do you know what holy discontent is? That's where Jesus walked into the temple and he turned over the tables because he was frustrated. Why do we have 200 plus people and one person serving every single Sunday watching children for free, volunteering, washing feet? When one part doesn't serve, everyone loses. And she doesn't get in here to sing songs and sit in seats. And she never complains about it. When one part 
doesn't serve, everyone suffers. Amen? Heather, thank you for what you do. Please go back and watch our children. <laughs> okay. Okay, so I've got to wrap it up. Andrews, come up here. Uh, we've got to wrap up. Um, no music. We have no testimonial story to tell you. I'm not going to try to wooze you into emotionally serving. But I have showed you plain and clear what Jesus said to do, what Christ followers should do, and where you should do it. Your home, your workplace, your church. The body of Christ, 100%. No one's exempt. Now, I know what you're thinking. I know, I know, I know, I know. And we're smart. I'm so smart. I'm telling you, I'm a genius. And Andrew's is just as smart as I am. We knew that you're going to be like, I don't have time. You know, I'm busy. Me and Andrew's are not busy. We're not dads. We don't have jobs. Right? We have no lives. This is, money comes down. It's amazing. Okay. So we're all busy. So I also know this. There's a reality. You can't be here every week. I know. But we're, we're smarter than that. We, we thought about that. And I know that you may not be able to be here every single Sunday. And so you want, you're just faithful, good, committed people. And so you think, well, uh, you know, if I can't be there every week, then, you know, I just want to be a good person. And I don't know if I can commit to that. So we've thought of all of these things to try to help you pull this off. We've set it all up. In fact, we put balloons around the room for you. <laughs> we've made it so clear for you today. We just thought, we're just going to make it so simple. We want no hurdles for you serving. Amen? All right. So in your packets, you've got these cards. Grab them out. There's four cards. Each one has a color to it. And by the way, Celissa, stand up real quick. Just stand up right where you are. Celissa, tell me again how many people are currently on your schedule. For, she watches our three-thrilled through pre-K. She has four volunteers that have to rotate. And how many do you need in the classroom? I'm guessing at least two. So there are four adults currently in our body, four adults who rotate every other week to wash your feet. They get to attend two, and then they serve in two. And that's all they have. Now, Salissa, if one of those or two of those decline and can't show up, who shows up? Are you a mom? You got a job? Got a husband? You busy? Okay. Amen? This is good preaching. Really good preaching. Okay. And I'm going to help all the churches when you leave this one, wherever you go. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. I'm preaching for every pastor in America right now. Um, all right, Andrew. So here's what. Andrew's going to walk you through a little bit of our software, and then we'll dismiss you. All right? He's going to tell you a little bit about a software that we use and, and help you just understand how it works so that we answer some questions for you. All right, so. So thanks, everybody. For any of you that don't know me, I am not just the emotional guy behind the guitar who loves to sing to Jesus. Um, outside of this, a lot of times behind the scenes, I'm extremely, extremely practical. Um, 
Pastor Ricky makes fun of me all the time because I think through processes and efficiencies. So I really just wanted to highlight one big hurdle. Like Pastor Ricky said, a lot of times it's time, right? It's 2023, and, and I'll be honest, I've been serving in, in ministry since roughly around, I was 15. So for almost half of my life, I've gotten the privilege of using a really, really awesome tool called Planning Center. All of you that are already serving are already familiar with it. I am not a paid spokesperson for them. Um, they do not tithe to our church, but they have been a huge blessing. And I wanted to highlight just one feature of Planning Center. Planning Center is a solution. It's an app that we use for all of our services. One, we use it one to second. schedule. Where's Shelly? Shelly, you're supposed to be up here. I'm sorry, keep going. Come up here. Keep going. Here. <laughs> so we use this to schedule everything. And not just things on Sundays. We're really trying to leverage it and max out how we optimize it to use it for every type of event. We've used it for countless years. I've used it in other ministries. Um, I'm sure some of you have as well. Um, one of my favorite things about it is you can actually block out calendars. So it's like a fully integrated, you get your own user account, you can put in preferences, you can sign up for things. Maybe if like, oh, I've got a free week, I can jump into this. Um, so, you mean, so you mean if I want to serve in church so that the whole body doesn't suffer, I can just go in and select the Sundays and decline and accept months out? And, and Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You, we'll, we'll plan out services way out. Wow. You, can, you don't even have to, like, get on a computer. You can download it right to your phone. So I can even set oh. you up with text messages. You can, oh, they need some help. I'm just so serve. Yes. Three seconds. So I can back. decline, too. Yes. Oh. It is not a contractually binding agreement. Um, there are no repercussions except for suffrage. No. Yeah. <laughs> but it really does help um, the, the gentleman who invented this solution were full-time ministry folks 16 years back. And that was back when they were trying to schedule all sorts of things, all of the volunteers. Any of you guys that are administrators out there, you know how painful it can be to try to follow up with that on a spreadsheet. So this was a really incredible solution that I, I, I'll be honest, I don't know any church that isn't leveraging it in this day and yeah. age because it's such a useful tool yeah. if we use it. Yeah. So good. That's the real practical thing. Let me just show you some numbers real quick, then I'm going to have Sherry, Shelly share something. Put those numbers up if you can, Amari. So currently, on a typical Sunday for our church this size, you look around the room, over 200 or so of us, let's look at this. Brave kids, it takes about 14 uh, volunteers. So birth, we just heard the numbers, two, birth through two, three, and then we did the math already. So three through pre-K, K through five, and then check-in. That's 14 typically total that we like to have. That volunteer there. First impressions, 10 that serve, parking, hosting, ushering, set up teardown. We set this place up, teardown every single week, 16, production and worship. And these are just probably our like base numbers that we really need to be at in order to have everything kind of functioning properly. That's a total of 52 people every single week that make this thing happen. Amen? Like, do you see that? Okay. So, and then I'm going to have uh, one of our serve team members, Shelly, who does an incredible job. Can you all just... so? Shelly uh, prays on our, leads our prayer team every Sunday morning, 9 a.m. Uh, she's been coming in the office serving. Do you get paid? No, okay. And Jesus, are, Jesus pays you. And then are you, so nice of you, but, and then are you, are you a mom? Yes. You have kids? Yes. You have a husband? Yes. You busy? Yes. Okay, all right. Go ahead. Uh, so, you know, I was going to share a little bit about my experience with Brave um, and serving but as I was sitting here, I just felt like the Lord wanted me to share something a little bit different. And mm. that the reason I'm standing here at Brave today is because people have served me my whole life in the church. And um, I was considering as a young person, 
people picking me up for church, bringing me there. My parents didn't take me. Um, and then moving forward my whole entire life, I was just thinking about the only reason I'm still in the body of Christ today is because people served me. Yeah. So as an adult, I strayed from the Lord, finally made my way back to church with my husband. And when we went to church, we, we just attended. And there was a season where we attended and didn't plug in. We moved to Massachusetts and that church, um, we found a church and in that church, the people loved me to a healthy place. Mm. People served me so much that I found out who I was supposed to be. I found out my purpose in life. And because they started to serve me so effectively, I realized I have to do this. Yeah. I have to pay the church back. I didn't even fully understand what it was to be a part of the body yet, but I realized these people are loving me so effectively, I want to love them back. So we moved from Massachusetts back home to Florida. And I, because I had been such a strong um, part of the body when we came back here to um, Florida, we took about two years looking for a church home. And I was so desperate because I had it somewhere else. And I knew that that's where, that's what the Lord wanted for me and for my family. Yeah. And so we were on a two and a half year journey to find a church home. The first time I came into Brave, I left knowing that this was my home, that you people were my family. But I didn't know you yet. I hadn't, I had, you know, received hugs and smiles and such generosity the first time I came. Um, but I realized because of my experience in Massachusetts and understanding more the purpose of being part of the body that I had to get plugged in. Otherwise, I would be like a person on an island going and receiving but never giving. And so I quickly plugged into Brave as much as I could. Ricky, you know, sat with me and heard my heart about some things that I'm passionate about. Um, and y'all have loved me so effectively. I just want to say that I wouldn't be here able to serve if people hadn't served me my whole life. It is much better to give than to receive. Amen. I'm just a living testimony that I need it as much as I need to give it. Yeah, so good, Shelly. Thank you, Shelly. Um, did you, one thing, and then we'll dismiss. Did you hear what she said? You know, I didn't even understand everything it was all about, you know, to, but I started serving. So I'm gonna free you. You do not have to know the entire Bible to serve in our church. Okay, so that's good. Um, you can basically kind of serve once a month. You could serve once every six weeks if that's all you could do. You could serve once every three months if that's all you could do. You could decline every single Sunday except for one in a year and go, hey, I served, you know. I mean, I'm just saying, we've made this really easy for you. And Jesus set the example for you. Why would I need to compel you any other way? And I'll do my best. My vow to you is to serve right alongside of you. And I'm just being honest. And I'm not, I'm not I don't want to brag on me. I'm not, but hear me. I'm often the last to leave here. I'll serve. I'll help. I took out the trash at Marriage Exo. Did you see me take out the trash yesterday? Raise your hand. Do not plot for me. I do not want this in any way be about a pastor trying to brag on himself. No. I'm just saying, I'm with you too. And I don't want you thinking, I'm only doing this because I get paid or I'm on staff. I'm here to serve you too. And my wife is a volunteer in this church and she served you all week long washing your feet, watching 40 kids so that we can have a marriage XO conference, along with so many other people. Emily Chapel, where are you at? Serving, 
Where are you at? Raise your hand. I mean, this woman, young lady, has served and washed thousands and thousands of feet over the span of many years. I've watched her. She was in my youth ministry when she was in sixth grade, still serving today, doesn't get paid a dollar, and washes so many people's freaking feet. Her house is going to be massive in heaven, I'm telling you. Like, and she doesn't ask for anything. Just keep saying yes, keep washing feet. All right, I love you. There's tables that correspond with the cards. You just take the card over that's most interesting to you. There's gonna be people at the table. They're ready to answer your questions. I love you. God bless you. You are dismissed. Go serve. 